You're listening to the Clutter Fairy Weekly, a weekly webcast and podcast brought to you by the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. If you'd like to participate in one of our live webcasts, please visit cfhou.com slash weekly. You'll find a calendar of upcoming webcasts, as well as instructions for joining the Zoom meeting via the app or by phone. We'd love to see you. That URL again is cfhou.com slash weekly. Now here's the weekly episode. Enjoy. Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. This is the Clutter Fairy Weekly for October 17th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, certified professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly is the webcast and podcast that digs deep into the clutter that piles up between you and the life you want to be living. We explore the habits and behaviors that lead to clutter, and we suggest strategies to slow the accumulation, reduce the collection, and comfortably manage the stuff we decide to keep. If you're new to our Zoom meeting, we want to let you know that you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and I'll try to make sure Gail gets to them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment yourself via audio or video. And we are streaming the webcast live on Facebook, so you can share your questions and comments there, and I'll relay them to Gail. We're going to start by talking about last week's weekly tittle, which was called Negotiate for What You Need. The assignment was to engage a member of your family or household in an organizing task or project, or at least to try. <laughs> Let's hear from our participants in Zoom and on Facebook. Who opened negotiations this week? Please let us know in the comments. YouTube viewer Ms. Leanite offered a tittle-related comment on this week's video. Ms. Leanite writes, I had a recent experience of someone not wanting to be burdened with caretaking old family stuff, but trusted that others would provide the stuff when sudden need arose. Someone living in a retirement community who never wanted to be responsible for keeping old photographs suddenly needed some for a community project. He called on the rest of us to come up with appropriate photos, copy and scan them, and send the digital files to him to have printed for the occasion. We didn't mind that much, but it was a scramble. <laughs> it's amazing what we expect from our family, isn't it? Right. And and we have expectations without saying them out loud most of the time either. Like, How many times have you thought, why didn't they know that I would need this or want it to be this way? He expected that you all would provide things on demand anytime when he passed them on to you. And one thing I'll say, it's highly likely that that person didn't realize the time and effort it would take to scan and email a bunch of photos. Um, if you're not very tech savvy, <laughs> then you often think uh, that things can be done with a little bit of effort when that really isn't the case. Um, it's kind of you to provide something so you can participate in the community event. I'm sure they were like, give us pictures of your history or show us pictures from a particular time period. And um, it was great that he was able to participate in the group. And thank you for doing that. And I'm sure he had no idea how much of a disruption he was. <laughs> and so are just being kind to your el elderly relative. That was very nice of you. A lot of families would have said, no, you made your bed now lie in it. It was really nice, <laughs> really nice of them to uh, jump to his aid. Yeah. Try to make it happen. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, in this particular slice, because it was photos, uh, I wouldn't assign the, the same uh, attachment to it that I would something else. Like the idea that you would take possession of the photos and then have them be available to the person 
um, another time seems more reasonable than I took old clothes and now right. they need to be available to somebody else again. Yeah, I, I, you, like I, you, I gave it's you one thing about keeping the photographs, but it's yeah. not. I gave you grandma's rocking chair and now I want it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. The, ex, the expectation there is specifically around photographs. And I think that's an important distinction to make. I wouldn't want to here. I'm going to give you all my stuff. And then, you know, I need to be able to get it whenever I want it is not a reasonable expectation to make of your family and friends when you give stuff away. He's probably in a somewhat limited space. So yeah, exactly. Choice may have been part his own temperament. You know, he wasn't that interested, but yeah. part he also didn't have the room. M shared, uh, I'm alone, so only have myself to blame. I tried to negotiate with my <laughs> sentimental side. And I who managed, won? <laughs> I managed to uncover part of my desk, maybe as a way to avoid tougher decluttering. Hey, but you know what? In the clutter fairy world, everything counts, sister. So right. we're not, we have no judgment about which way you went down that path. If you got something uncovered, we're cheering for you. <laughs> An uncovered desk is still something that you got done. So rock and roll. And, and I love the idea that you organ you um negotiated with your sentimental self. <laughs> right. I also, um, have we talked, we've talked before about structured procrastination, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah I don't yeah. think that's come up in a while, but when you declutter part of your desk because there's some other harder decluttering project that you're supposed to be working on, we call that structured procrastination. When you're doing something that's useful and just not the thing that is at the top of the list. Yeah, not the true priority. Yeah. Yeah. So you were just procrastinating a little bit. That's okay. And I like that you um, spent some time thinking about negotiating with your sentimental side as a separate person. Think of me thinking of it as a separate person and negotiating with yourself. And, and if you uh, entered into those talks with yourself and didn't get very far or hit some walls, that's okay. You can have that conversation over and over again. Conveniently, you will always be available to talk whenever you're ready. So you can think your way out of that bag more than once until you get somewhere that you feel comfortable. Uh, Paula says, I'm also alone, so no need to negotiate. Realize some of my tools got rusty. So I spent the week pulling out all tools with rust and de-rustifying them. Oh, that must have been a lot of work. My goodness. Um, and Connie says, just did the two-hour-week co-cleaning task with DH, dear husband. So far, so good. I hope it becomes a fixed thing. Cool. I'm glad you guys did it as a as a team and worked on it. That's awesome. Please come back and tell us how it goes, and how what kind of a uh, what kind of things come up as you work on something together. I'm imagining that each of you would maybe tackle some portion of the chore slightly differently. And so I'm curious about um, what kind of objections and confusions come up in the conversation as you are, you both go to do something and you wouldn't, you don't do it in exactly the same way. Um, just let come back and tell us about that and how it works out. What kinds of trip ups and things that you learn about each other and your stuff and your process as you're doing that chore. Connie says, she, she adds, I am only allowed with allowed in quotation marks to listen to a favorite podcast. If I have a cleaning task. Is that you're only allowing yourself to do that or someone else is only allowing you to do that. I, I'm betting Connie's only allowing herself to do that. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah, Cause 
Oh, so she's associating the reward of listening to the favorite podcast with getting something done in the house. I like that. She's yeah. tying them together. So she one listening to one makes her do the chore. Hey, that's clever. Then you get the fun of the podcast and you associate it with, yeah, you're training yourself like a puppy. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> the dog does something, that the dog sits and the dog gets a treat, right? And so you are doing the chore and you're getting your treat of the podcast. Good job. I like it. <laughs> Diane reports, we lived with two kitchen chairs and TV trays and TV for a week, which was clutter free. But we decided we really liked having our comfy furniture back. New floor installed. Oh, there you go. Right. There's nothing like a new floor uh, being installed to disrupt every single thing about your life. <laughs> Tammy says, love that idea. Negotiate with my what would be my old terrified, traumatized inner kids who are doused with fear and adrenaline and told to grab stuff and run or hoard due to neglect old wounded me i reparent with love if i can find loving parent me there you go that's a good thing to do right like because that the little kid you're not that little kid anymore and so there is an adult present in the room that can do some negotiating with a little kid and what a great idea like you can promise to be kind and careful and uh, take care in a way that the little kids experience of the adults at the time couldn't promise and so and the little kid can trust yourself. Like you can trust yourself and what you're saying to yourself. And so I like that idea. I hadn't thought of this uh, concept of negotiating with other versions of you, but I really like it. We should talk about that a little bit more. <laughs> That's a good, um, it's a good angle to come at it from. Yeah. Um, I didn't think about it when we were writing that negotiating topic, but it's a good one. Okay. I think we should move on. Okay. It's October, so the season of giving and of giving stuff away is right around the corner. How do we decide to donate or gift something? And what does it mean when we choose to hold on to stuff instead? Today, we're going to discuss ownership, gifting, donation, and how our notions of value impact our decision-making about what we keep and what we're willing to let go. Let's start by talking about this week's survey. In the first part of the survey, we asked our audience for their reactions to various statements related to giving things away, either by donation or as gifts to family members, friends, and et cetera. We're not going to dissect each of these statements and your responses to them today, but you can explore the full results by visiting cfhou.com slash results 186. That's where the result, that particular result database is sitting cfhou.com slash results 186. We're planning some follow-up survey questions to dig deeper into the attitudes about which our audience was very noticeably divided. There were some of the questions where the answers were all over the place. So we really want to pick that apart a little bit more. And we're going to work on that next time. Yeah. We went on to ask, what factors do you consider when you're thinking about giving things away to family members, friends, neighbors, or other people that you know? There were a few factors that received a lot of mentions. One, is the item still useful? Two, does the recipient need it? And three, will the recipient appreciate it? Here are a few other of, of the more detailed responses we wanted to single out. Sarah said, whether there is any intrinsic value in the item and whether it will be of benefit to or appreciated by the person receiving it, I do not want the item to be a burden or an obligation. I think that's 
a good way to think about it. You don't want it to be a burden to somebody else. And you don't want to be the person who is passing their clutter onto someone else so that that person <laughs> feels like they have to take it because of your relationship, because you're a family member, because you're a neighbor and they feel like it's being offered. Therefore, I must take it. We've all been in that situation where we've received something and thought, I don't really want this, but they seem very intent on giving it to me. And therefore, I need to take it. Cynthia commented in, in that vein. She said, whether they want it and will use it or are just being polite. And I think a lot of us have burdens in our house that are partially populated by being in a situation of my mother wanted me to take this or my aunt wants me to take this or my you said once time to one time to a neighbor saying do you want this and now every time they get rid of something they call you to come and take it <laughs> you you can get in that situation where you're feeling like the person that's giving things away has decided that you're the way that they can get rid of something and feel good about it themselves like they're feeling like you are the person who's going to value and appreciate it the most and so once once you've received one thing, then you become the target for every other thing that comes out of the house. <clears throat> or, and I or think at least every related. Yeah. And it and it becomes it definitely becomes a burden to be the pipeline through which somebody else redistributes their clutter. And being on the receiving end, you recognize that they're just relocating their clutter to me. <laughs> It's it's very obvious as a recipient that you are just the way that they're getting out of the house without feeling bad about it, without feeling like they're giving up something that has value that should go to somebody. And so having been on the receiving end, you can certainly understand from the turn that around from the giving end that Sarah was talking about. She didn't want it to be a burden to somebody or an obligation on the other end. And so figuring out a way to to give it away without feeling like you're passing on an obligation or relocating your clutter to someone else is an important distinction to make when you're getting rid of something. Here's one I liked a lot. Pat said, I want it out of my house. Once <laughs> they have it, they can sell it, use it, donate it, pitch it. My goal is to get it out of my thoughts and I need more space. Right. That That's a very healthy attitude. I think I want it out of my house. They can do what they want with it. And I think the they in that situation is really, it doesn't have to be a family member or a friend at that point. If you're comfortable about it needs to go out of my house and I don't care what happens to it, then you can bulk solution without adding that burden to someone else that you know. You can bulk solution it out to your favorite charity and let it go to them to do with what they will and resort and resell and however they deal with it. And Give people who spend, whose business model it is to take items and pass them on to someone else. <laughs> Let them handle it. Let their their business process take your stuff and do something with it. It's a good way to get it out of the house. Okay, now here's an almost but not quite diametrically opposed one. Lynn says, I want someone to appreciate the item as much as I do. I made and gifted a quilt to my 90-year-old dad for his afternoon naps. It killed me to see that his now wife wadded it up and tossed it onto the floor in the guest room closet. I don't even know if my dad knows. Just kills me when people don't appreciate gifts or donations. 
Well, and this gift had the added value importance in that it was a gift and it was homemade. So it couldn't be any more personalized than that for you to make it by hand and then to give it to your dad. So it's a gift. It's to your most important family member. It was handmade like that. That gift to your dad had all of the markers of importance and value emotionally. And the now wife, I'm assuming, showed up after the quilt did. And she may not realize that it was a gift from you or she may realize and feel like it doesn't go with her decor or whatever is happening around that. And I'm sorry that you discovered that that's where the quilt was. That's that doesn't, I'm sure that doesn't feel good. And that's tough. The, the 90 year old dad may or may not know where it went, but I think in this situation, if it feels important enough to you, because whatever has happened with the wife or the dad, either that they don't value it or they don't realize like that he may not realize it's on the floor in the other room. He may just think it disappeared. So, or it's put away somewhere. What would you think about asking for it back? Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say. I think because it seems so important to you and because you put all of your blood, sweat and tears into making it and it feels like it's not getting used for what you intended, it might be worth it to say, Hey, if you guys aren't going to use that quilt, I'm going to take it back and use it myself. And why not? I mean, I think it'll make you feel better about that. It's not just sitting on the floor and feel like all your hard work isn't, isn't going to waste. You might as well be warm with it. (laughs) Even if your dad doesn't, isn't using it. And who knows, like I said, I mean, the, the possibility exists that she thinks it's an old family quilt from somewhere and doesn't realize that you gave it that, that if she came after the quilt did. So you might ask the question, do you not need it for anything? And if you don't, can I have it back and reclaim your handmade work? I totally get why you are feeling dismissed by that. Okay. One more answer to that question. Amy said, I asked them if they need or want the, the, them first and give them the option of receiving them. So I'm not just shuffling my clutter to someone else. Thank you, Amy. I'm sure everyone around you appreciates that. And they also have to understand that you really mean it when you're saying I'm offering it, but you don't have to take it. Like you're being clear with them. If you want it, you can have it. If not, don't worry about it. I think that's super important. I will occasionally, as I'm rerouting things from clients, I will find something and think, oh, my friend might need that. And I will call and say, hey, do you want that? Like I used to offer Ed um, kitchen stuff. Right. When there was a bunch of kitchen stuff going by. Um, But I didn't have any attachment to if the answer was, yeah, I don't need any of that. Cool. I'll send it on to the next thing. I didn't have any attachment to where it ended up. Ultimately, Um, I made an attempt if I thought it needed to be rerouted to somebody that I knew. But if not, off it went to the donation place and it was never a big deal. And I I think I learned (laughs) an important lesson there too you would come over with stuff and bring the box into the house and at some point i learned no no just i'll come out to the car leave it in your trunk i'll come out to the car and i'll pick out the bits i want let's right. not you know let's let's not take any chances and sometimes you would switch like you would take something and replace something that you have and you would give me something else instead 
Like you would take yeah. the, a new pan and you would give me an old pan. And so right. then I would be donating a different pan. <laughs> I'm still donating a pan. I'd just be donating a different pan, right? So that process, it's important, as Amy said, to ask them if they really want it and accept their no and don't feel rejected. Like they're looking at it and thinking about their own house and their own space and their own needs. And just because you want to give it to them doesn't mean they need it or have the space for it. And so you don't want to be transferring your clutter to them. That's important. So you can want to check it out and then remind yourself if you feel rejected, they're not rejecting me. They're just deciding what is right for their own house. And they can say, yeah, that's cool, but I I would not use a bread machine. <laughs> right. I would never make bread with the bread machine. And therefore, the brand new bread machine that you never used would also not get used in my house. And you have to uh, accept what they what they say about how they would use it or not. And and don't feel rejected by it. Here's an interesting comment from Naomi. She says the problem of intermittent reward. If you sometimes take it and sometimes don't, you could be training them to be more persistent in foisting, foisting stuff on you. I can remember my mom wandering her house looking anxiously for something she could give me when I rejected her first offer. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, for someone who is at the age of downsizing, uh, letting something walk out the door, like I am, I, I know that when your mom was still alive and you guys, they were living in the house in Tennessee and you would go over there and they would like, <laughs> oh, like you would drive there yeah. and then they would make sure you went home with something in the car. Yeah. Like, you cannot go home empty handed. <laughs> right. They would put some piece of furniture or something in the car. And so there's a point at which it's like, okay, they're struggling to get through the chore of donating things away. Like that's a burden on them. And it's hard at their age to make that happen effectively in large volumes. And so then the kids just become the vehicle at which the things drive away from the house. And so whatever, you know, if you are willing to be the person that drives them away from the house and yes, mother, I'll take that. And you say yes, a hundred percent of the time, knowing full well that 98% of it is not going to your house. It's going straight to donation. You're just agreeing um, silently agreeing to be the delivery system. And, and that's, it's different when somebody's at that age of downsizing than just randomly, you know, offering your 22 year old kid something in, and you're in no way getting ready to get out of your house. And so we've all been in that place, right here, mom. Uh, yes, I'll take it. Okay. Well, it worked really well for my mother because I think she had, a, she had a pretty realistic picture of what her stuff was or wasn't worth to her kids. Mm. So she didn't tend to offer us, you know, some fussy thing that was very, you know, in the style of the 1940s or 50s when her mother had acquired it. She knows none of us are interested in it and right. so she wouldn't even offer. But um, and it, it also helped that there are six of us. So, you know, lots of potential recipients there was something for for every taste you know right 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 yeah you guys had a whole uh she had a whole posse of people to give things away to okay we better move on okay so in our survey next we asked what factors do you consider when you're thinking about donating items to a charity shelter or unknown recipient 
many respondents mentioned making sure that the item is in good, usable, complete condition. Many audience members also expressed the desire only to donate to good, reputable charities that treat people decently and provide direct community benefits and services. Mm -hmm. Here are a few other responses we wanted to share. Becky said, is it something I want anymore? Could someone else really use it? For example, quilts, cots, furniture, appliances, et cetera. Evaluating use is important. Like you don't want to be giving away your trash. You don't want to be giving away something that's incomplete or is falling apart or that you wouldn't, if you were in a resale setting, would you consider it worth buying? And if you don't, if it doesn't meet that criteria, then I think you have to decide that it can, it needs to go away. Yeah, that's, Evelyn stated, stated that beautifully. Evelyn said, I think about if I would like to receive something in this condition. Right, exactly. Um, And Leela said, I want the item to go away quickly and easily. Also, which place will use it to help others rather than simply make profits? For example, a small charity near my home uses their profits to run a food bank for the needy. Exactly. So part of how you get okay with your funnel of things out of the house to a charity is that you find the charity that uh, the charity, the resale shop, that whatever that is doing work that you feel comfortable with, that you feel like is serving a purpose that it, that feels good to you. And then you can, cause we all want a bulk solution. You can't just put one piece of furniture in every car of the six kids to d- drive right. away with later. Right. Like, and that did not move a volume of things around the house out of their house. And by the time it was time for his parents to move out of their house, uh, there was a huge project uh, to go through and, and separate and donate all the things that weren't necessary to move with them and to downsize. So you do want a volume solution that you feel good about. Part of it is that you need to find the place that speaks to you about what they, what service they're providing, what community they're serving, what work they're doing that feels like you're, you feel good about supporting their work. And that way you can take a whole bunch of stuff to them and feel good about it. Not feel like, I wonder what's going to happen to it. I wonder if it's going to get used. Well, you can just assume that they're going to work it out so that it supports their mission. You are supporting their mission by giving them, you know, a carload of stuff every time you go. And so it's worth it to find a charity that you feel really good about supporting and then making that chore of delivering to them and doing it regularly and doing it in volume makes you feel better about it. Like it's easier because you assume that the place you picked is something that makes you feel good. An anonymous respondent said, first, I make sure the item is in good condition. Then if no family member wants the item, I consider which organization would take the item. Mm. Some charities only take certain things. So I want to donate the item to a charity that will benefit the most from the donation. And, And I get that. And you just want to be careful that you don't find yourself taking one item to this charity and one item to that charity and one like making your to-do list super long by trying to match up the item to a specific charity. So yeah. in my, in my business that I, I go and donate to five or six places regularly, some for the, you know, things for the vet, Texas art asylum, Goodwill, a Texas thrift. There's a collection of places that I go and drop stuff off. And it's because they're bulk solutions with um, directed purposes that allowed me to distribute goods in the least amount of trips. And what did you want to say, Ed? 
Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I think that donating the item to a charity that will benefit the most from the donation could be a little bit of a, you know, putting yourself in a trap mm -hmm. where things collect because you haven't quite identified the right place for this thing. And if you find yourself with more and more things that fit that category, going out to donation, but I haven't figured out where yet, then maybe you need to cast a wider net, net right well and it's like trying to it's like trying to find the exact right person to gift it to mm -hmm. if you're looking for the person in your life that needs that one book then you're going to end up with a backwash of things waiting to go to their rightful owner and a big long list of deliveries to make when really what you want is for those items to get in the car and go away. Right? And so it's very, I think it's super important to find the bulk solution and carry off a car load as often as possible. Let's move on. We're going to talk about hazards and trip ups when it comes to donation and gifting. Okay. Um, I'll let you take over from there. The blurb for today's episode asks the question, how do we decide to donate or give something? And what does it mean when we choose to hold on to stuff instead? The decisions we've made about what to hold on to and what to let go of have brought us to where we find ourselves right now. If we have too much stuff in our spaces and we feel overwhelmed and overburdened, it's already keeping us from living the kind of lives we want. And we have to re-examine those decisions we've made to keep something. And since so many of those decisions are based on the value that we've assigned to things, we have to take a hard look at how we're arriving at our judgments about value. If everything that seems even remotely useful somehow feels essential, maybe we need to raise the bar a little bit. To begin with, you hold on to things because of their necessity, especially for the things you're actively using. Most of us agree on this point. If we're using it now, it makes sense to keep it. But for everything else, what you're actually holding on to is the possibility of using it someday in the future. All of us rate that possibility of future use differently, though. For some of us, even the remotest possibility of usefulness means that an item stays. And that creates a huge storage issue over time as more items come into our lives. For others, the possibility of using something sometime in the future needs to be a higher probability in order to keep it. We want a higher certainty that we'll use an item before we commit to keeping it. This gives us the possibility to release something sooner in exchange for less to manage and more peace of mind. To some of us, just the act of spending hard-earned money on it means that it stays, <laughs> even if we'll likely never use it again or ever. Then what we're holding on to is the value of the money we've already spent instead of the money itself. But like all things that are traded for money, an item's value at any point in time is an ever-changing and mutable thing. The $50 dress won't be worth $50 in 10 years, and we have a hard time seeing the continuous devaluation of things in our lives. What if we decide something is ready to let go? I'm saying that in air quotes, we're ready to let go. Now, instead of thinking about an item's possibilities, we shift to thinking about its value. Letting go seems like we're losing something, we're shedding value. But another point of view is that we're sharing something with something else. We're passing the item off like a football to the next player to run with it. At this point, I want to remind you about the endowment effect and how it impacts our perception of an item's value. Regular listeners have heard us talk about the endowment effect before. The endowment effect refers to an emotional bias that causes us to value an object we own higher, often irrationally higher, than its market value. In other words, we place a higher value in an object that we already own 
than the value we would place on that same object if we didn't own it. That effect impacts our perception of the value of things we are considering donating. One thing you can do to see how much endowment effect you're fighting against is to ask yourself this question. If I found this object at a garage sale or an estate sale and I knew nothing else about it, what would I think was a reasonable price to pay for the item? When you look at your item and think it's worth $100, but you'd pay $18 for it at an estate sale, (laughs) you can see how much value you've endowed to an object just because of your feelings of ownership. And the longer you've owned it, the stronger that effect is. Here's an analogy for you. When you buy a house and live there for a long time, you become very attached to it. When it's time to sell, it's often shocking what a real estate agent will say to you about your house and its value because you're sure it's worth a huge amount of money when truthfully it's only worth what the market will bear. If the market's tight, then you'll get more money than if there's a lot of home inventory weight when you're trying to sell. Zero of that value is based on how you feel about your home. The first thing that the agent's going to tell you is they want you to strip all personalizing items from the house so the buyers can see themselves in the space. But to you, it feels like your life is being rejected. Why can't my personal belongings stay out? Because in the process of selling the item, which is, which is the house analogy version of giving something away, the house has to shift from being yours to being someone else's house. And all the ways that it feels like your house need to be stripped away to make the house appealing in a blank slate to a new person. And you have to do the same thing when you give an object away. The inflated perception of value you've added to something because the endowment effect needs to be stripped away to be able to make a reasonable judgment about giving something away and to whom and how. You can let go of an object that you're doing, uh, that you're done using, but that still has value and potential and send it on to the next person down the river of stuff, even if you don't get to know who has it. We have just enough time to go back to the survey once again. Actually, let me share a comment that's really oh, yeah, yeah. perfectly relevant to what you just said. This is from, I, I don't um, I don't have the name. Um, this is from someone who's who said she's on Facebook under her husband's name, so I don't want to share the name. But she says, I prefer to donate my unwanted items to charity rather than passing them on to people I know. Because if it's not appreciated or is not dealt with in a respectful manner, I will never know. I can there you imagine, go. I can imagine grateful people in desperate need cherish these things. Whether it is true or not does not matter. I can make up my own story and feel happy and satisfied with whatever I want to imagine. Yes. Oh, my All gosh. That. Yes. That's totally true. And it, it doesn't matter. I'm sure on some level that story is true for some of the things that you give away. But the truth is, there's no way that 100% of what we give away is going to all work out exactly at the best possible use or solution or end result. But you don't have any way of knowing which ones are going to make it down the river stuff and get, you know, pulled ashore by somebody that needs them and what isn't going to be. And so you just have to trust that some of it, most of it, all of it. I love the idea. Tell yourself a good story. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. And some great family needed that and they got it and they had a great, um, they had a great result because the truth is everybody that goes into a Texas thrift or a goodwill or salvation army sales store is going there specifically because they need stuff and they, they need to pay the least amount possible to get it. And anybody that shops in that environment is being benefited by your generosity and giving them access to something that they wouldn't be able to afford otherwise. And so 
you can make up those stories all day long because every one of those shoppers is there to get something that they need inexpensively. And so I love it. Tell yourself a story and be happy with it. It's going to be fine. Pick your charity that you like, pick the charity that makes you feel good. And then you can tell yourself whatever story you want about where it's going and who's going to get it. Cause how are you ever going to know? And you can give it away to people that you very specifically pick and still not get a good result on the other end. The story still may not end how you want it to end. So you might as well give it away anonymously and then make up your own story about it. And that can be a way for you to release and not have it all be in your house and not you be burdened with it. And, and out it goes. Love it, love it, love it. A couple other comments about donation. David, who's watching on Facebook, said, I was given a nice croquet set with my new house. I decided to give it to Goodwill. So I boxed it up carefully with all the pieces together, then watched the fellow at the donation station invert the box and dump it into a huge dumpster, dumpster-sized box, parts never to be together again. Gosh. Oh, I know, right? Ugh. Oh, that's annoying. You know, a lot of times the places you're donating, they're dealing with volunteers. They're not receiving a ton of training, not being told, you know, try and keep things together that belong together. Right. And I think that there's, there's a certain amount of that process where, you know, they may have pieced it back together on the other end because I'll ended up in the same big box. Their, their way of transporting the objects isn't to keep it in the containers that we provide, they unbag everything and put it in containers that then go and get sorted elsewhere. And so um, I think that there's a possibility that all those things ended up in the same large box and came out and got, you know, repackaged. Turned back into a set. Yeah. Turned back into a set on the other end, but you're right. If it didn't come in, if it wasn't donated in its original box, then they were just removing the container for their own process system. And and, you know, we can hope that they worked it out and moved it on the other and uh, moved it out the other end. This is where I guess it comes in handy to um, use the donation box where you put it in and you never, you don't get you don't to see, see any more the of the process. <laughs> right, Again, exactly. You can tell yourself whatever story. <laughs> whatever story. <laughs> uh, the story I'm telling is, you know, they sorted it. They put all that croquet cup back together and made a set out of it Some and put it out to sell. Someone is having fun playing. Somebody is whacking the croquet right now. (laughs) Somebody's whacking that ball around the house or around the yard. I mean, (laughs) okay, let's go back for our our one more survey question. Okay. For our final survey question, we asked, what is your all-time favorite hand-me-down cast off or re-gifted items? Here are a few of our favorite responses. Alexa said a hand-me-down pot and a lid that I use almost every day and will certainly outlive me. I have no real feelings about anything I have parted with. That's a good attitude. Right. But she has a good hand-me-down pot that she uses every day. Excellent. Suzanne says, I think maybe a little inexpensive fur stole an aunt was getting rid of when she greatly downsized. I wear it in the house sometimes when I am cold. My parents and grandparents nor myself or siblings ever had fur, even in the freezingest weather. Would I buy fur? Not intentionally. But I love the idea that she's like <laughs> fur is, I mean, people made clothing out of fur because it is warm. Like There's a point to it. And if she's cold and she's walking around in a fur stole in the house, I totally dig it. I think that's awesome. And, you know, you're using it and you don't have to be going to a ball to wear the fur. If you're cold, it's, it's something that brings you war- warmth 
And I bet your aunt and you know gets a kick out of the I, fact that you're wearing the that they're round in the house. <laughs> I would like to imagine that Suzanne is dancing around in the first goal <laughs> right? in her cold, cold house. She's not here. She's not live with us today, so we can't ask her. But I hope right? she'll uh, follow up with us. <laughs> I love that idea. And you know that, that little animals walk around in fur and stay warm in snow, and so there's a reason why fur was made into things to wear. Might as well wear it around the house. I love it. Granny says, a dress I got from my cousin when I was a little girl. I wore it at my sixth birthday party. Oh. It was white and had a layered skirt with trim on the edges. So it has a good memory. It's associated with a birthday. It came from a cousin. I love it. So that's really a keepsake dress. And I'm sure that it's uh, it sparks a whole lot of fun memories about your birthday party. That's cool. Linda said, a buffet that I stored for 20 years that is now finding a space in our new home. Oh, cool. all right. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that is Linda who had the house fire. Um, and this is something, you know, that she's, she pulled out of storage now and is gonna, it's going to have a new life because uh, they're, they're filling their new place. Right. I hope uh, so. And finally, Laurie said, I was delighted to give my five-year-old granddaughter several of the brooches that I've collected through the years her jewelry art I used to do. I got the brooches out and let her choose the ones she would like to have. The expression on her face of wonderment and joy truly touched my heart. Nothing like a five-year-old getting excited about shiny things. <laughs> That's a perfect um, consumer uh, time frame. Like she has nothing and it all is shiny and sparkly and it all looked pretty. And I'm sure she loved every minute of it. That was wonderful. M says, imagining Suzanne mopping the kitchen floor in a fur. Right. <laughs> but I don't think you really want to mop the floor in a stole because, you know, you have to do a lot of bending, bending and stooping. Oh, right. That would be more of like a, you know, if like you had a, a coat. jacket, if you had a fur right, right. jacket. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the mopping fur you should wear. <laughs> <laughs> You're mopping fur. <laughs> Mopping fur will have to go into our, our show where we talk about clutter fairy expressions. Right. <laughs> okay, Gail, give us your final thoughts on this topic. Okay, here's my final thoughts. Keeping your original value judgment about what you need to keep is how you got overwhelmed and overburdened to begin with. Changing how you decide on value and how you comfortably dispose of value is the pathway out of being overwhelmed and into an unburdened lifestyle. Do your best to strip away the value added by the endowment effect and see an item in its neutral state of value. Then give it away with a sense of being released from a clutter burden. That's what we're um, hoping that you aim for. Okay, we are running out of time. Um, mm. I want to remind everyone that we'll be back next week on tuesday october 24th at noon u.s central time live and stream and streaming on facebook gail and i have both been such busy little bees this week that we have not even decided on a topic yet so watch your email in the next couple of days and we'll we will have something to announce to you why don't you give us the tittle okay so it, clearly we're talking about giving things away. So this week's title is about letting something go that you've been struggling to let go. So the title is gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's, the assignment is to consider eliminating an item from your home by gifting or donation. So identify an item you've been considering getting rid of, but haven't made up your mind. Reassess the item's value to you. Do you still find it useful 
or beautiful or appealing in some way. Now assess the item's value to a potential recipient. If you have a recipient in mind, do you believe the item will meet the same standards of usefulness, beauty, or appeal for that person as well? If you're considering donating the item, does it meet the minimum standards for what you would consider accepting if you found yourself in a position of need? And now consider, has your mindset about this item shifted in any way? Are you ready to part with it? If so, make a specific plan to hand over the item to your intended recipient or charity. And if not, try the same exercise on a different item from your stash. (laughs) If you went through all of this and the item has stayed, then go pick something else and try again. Ultimately, the goal is what can you release today because you've reevaluated the value of the object and whether it really needs to stay with you or not. Okay. Come back and tell us about it next week. All right. If you're watching this on YouTube, we would love for you to join us live. To get notifications about upcoming events, we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com slash meetup. You can also follow us on Facebook by visiting cfhou.com slash Facebook or join our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com slash subscribe. We'd love to hear from you, so please keep your questions, comments, and topic suggestions coming on YouTube, Facebook, or anywhere that you find us. You can always reach us through our website at clutterfairhouston.com. You know where to find us, so come and find us and tell us what's happening. I want to add one more uh, thank you to everybody who who took the survey. We had a tremendous number of responses to this week's survey, and I I really do encourage uh, people to go take a look at that. If you go to the website, clutterfairhouston.com, you'll see under recent blog posts, survey number 186 results. So um, take a look at that. There's some really wonderful, thoughtful answers. And see, you know, the people who are on this journey with you, see what they say and how they're experiencing these questions. And maybe you can, uh, your survey results can be a source of inspiration to somebody else. Go and check it out. Okay, we'll be back next week. Lovely to see you guys. See you soon. Bye.